Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. It's good to be here on this cold day, and we're glad you're here. We're in Matthew chapter 24 this morning. As we continue to work our way through Matthew, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 35. And the title of the message today is, Don't be deceived, but be looking. Don't be deceived, but be looking. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As they sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdoms. And there will be famines and various and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by, of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be on the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. If those days had been had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ... Or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead you astray, if possible, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the heavens, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the, of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, They will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lessons. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. At times, we would all like to know the future, right? We would like to know it so we can plan and be ready for it, whatever comes. Even in the, even in the world around us, people are making, uh, they, they're thinking about the future. And in fact, many are making end-of-the-world predictions because they think mankind's going to destroy himself uh, through some kind of nuclear disaster or maybe through environmental neglect or catastrophe. All kinds of people are making all kinds of predictions about the end of the world. Some believers are also preoccupied about the future and the events surrounding the second coming of Christ. They think that you can read the Bible like you read a road map, and if you just know the right codes, you can know the future. And they usually see in current events uh, things that they say fulfill biblical prophecy. But there's a problem with looking at the Bible in this way, because Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour when he will return. No one knows it. No one can know it. And the things that people often say fulfill biblical prophecy often do not fulfill biblical prophecy because they misread and misapplied the Word of God. Now, what, what can we as believers know about the future? What can we know? Well, we can know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen. Every knee that's... Every person that's ever lived, uh, every person that's gone on will bow and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. We also, we can know that God is not going to permit mankind to destroy himself by nuclear holocaust or by environmental neglect because Christ will intervene and Christ will return. Now, I'm not, say, I'm not saying to you that we shouldn't try to prevent these things and we shouldn't be in, uh, good environmental stewards, but I'm telling you, we're not going to destroy ourselves through those things because God, yes, God will intervene before that happens. We can know also for sure that Jesus is physically, bodily returning to earth. Jesus is coming back again and he will rule and reign uh, from, from that moment Uh, all the universe forever and ever. He is coming back in. We look forward to that day. That's the things we can know. Now in Matthew 24, the end of Jesus' earthly ministry was at hand. Soon he would be dying in our place uh, so that our sins could be forgiven. And that was very near. He had finished his teaching in the temple. Uh, We we, uh, closed that out in Matthew 23. And then he left. And it was a kind of a sad leaving. It was kind of the end of a chapter. Uh, because it marked the end of the temple being the center of the worship of the true God. And, and it marked the beginning of a different kind of worship. Uh, and it's not that people haven't been able to worship God throughout history. But the temple represented, the, represented Jesus in some ways. Because the temple was the one place you were to go to, to worship the true God. Now we don't go through the temple, we go through Jesus. He's the one mediator between God and man. And if you want to worship the true and living God, you worship him through Jesus Christ. And, and you can worship him anywhere as long as you worship him through Jesus Christ. So this, this is kind of ending the temple as a center of worship. But also something else was taking place. As Jesus and his disciples were uh, leaving the temple, 
they pointed out to him the beauty of the temple, and, and it said that it might have been one of the most beautiful uh, uh, buildings in the ancient world. And they marveled at it, and they said, look at it and, and admire it. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I say to you truly, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. It's all going to be ruined in the not-too-distant future. Now, to Jesus' apostles, this was a catastrophic prediction. It signaled to them the end of the world. If the temple's gone, they think the world's coming to an end. And so they asked Jesus about this. They asked Jesus about them. When is... Uh, when will these things be, and when, when is your return in the end of the age? Now, in their minds, it was all one event. It was all one event, the destruction of the temple and the end of the world, and Jesus is coming again, as he just mentioned in chapter 23. But we know it was not, right? It was not one event. The temple and Jerusalem were destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman general Titus. But we are still waiting for the coming of Christ. And, uh, and in Matthew 24, Jesus is seeking them to help them understand that these are two events and not one event. And so he answered their question, and he talked to them about both events in this one chapter. And kind of, it's, it's not always easy to tell if he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem or, uh, or his second coming. But he's talking about both events and trying to guide them to know what to expect in the near future and the not-so-near future, and to how to live in light of what will come. From the passage of Scripture, we see a timeless principle for Christians of every age to apply as we wait for the return of Christ. And that principle is this. Believers in every age seek to be faithful to Jesus every day, as if He could return for us on any day. Believers in every age seek to be faithful to Jesus every day as if he could return to us uh, on any day. Now, there are two wrong ways to, to think about the return of Christ. Two wrong ways. One wrong way is to be preoccupied with it. It's to, it's to be preoccupied with the second coming, to, fo to focus all of our Bible study and attention on his second coming. And this has led to all kinds of living, uh, wrong living and wrong error, uh, and, and error in people's lives. People have done all kinds of crazy things because they were convinced in their minds that Jesus was going to come back uh, immediately. And, and they thought they knew the days or the times. Even in our generation, there's been crazy people that said Jesus is going to come back in 1988 and 1998. And uh, not too long ago... Uh, there was a prediction about the coming of Christ. And there's all kinds of predictions, and people are preoccupied with it. And that's the wrong way to, to view the second coming of Christ. That's the wrong way. But there's a second wrong way to view uh, the, the coming of Christ, and that is to never think about it. It's just to think we're just going to go on, we're just going to keep living our lives, things are just going to happen, uh, history's just going to cycle around, and, uh, and we never think about it. But, but the truth of God is that Jesus is coming back again. And Peter said in uh, 2 Peter, uh, you know, uh, a day to the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years a day. But he said, 
But the day of the Lord will come in the which the heavens will pass away and the elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and the works therein will be burned up. You see, the Lord's not on our timetable. And Jesus is coming again. And so we need to live in light of that but not be preoccupied with that. And so I think in Matthew 24 we see certain principles about how to live in light of the coming of Christ and the end of time. And I think there's certain things it tells us to avoid and certain things it tells us to do. First of all, it's not a sign that the end is near because of difficult times for the world or for God's people. It's not a sign that the end is near because of the difficult times for the world or God's people. Now Jesus first and then again and again teaches us not to be led astray as, as we think about his coming. Um, it's easy and believers are often led astray by speculation the wrong understanding of the Bible. Jesus teaches us that there will be many who come that claim to be him, who claim to be Christ, who claim to be Jesus returned, and they are not him. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, it happened in the first century. It's happened in this century. Um, and then he says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, famine and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are going to happen throughout all the history of the world. Just because there might be a war happening or coming, that doesn't mean the world is going to end. Wars, famines, natural disasters and catastrophes, and all of the kinds of calamities are part of the world that we live in until the world ends. (coughs) These difficult kind of things do not mean that the end is at hand, that it's right now. Jesus then specifically tells people (coughs) that they're going to be also delivered up to tribulation and some of them are going to be put to death because of his name's sake. He says, you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's happened throughout history. We think of the first century, we think of the the persecutions of Rome, we think of Christians going into the... uh, Colosseum and being devoured by wild animals. We think of that and that happened. But do you realize in the in the 20th and 21st centuries, there is a high level of persecution among people that name the name of Jesus. <coughs> I read, I think, I, that uh, eight people a day in the, throughout the world lose their lives because they name the name of Jesus. Eight people a day. Across our world. The 20th century and the 21st century, we've seen an increase in the persecutions of those who name Jesus. Because people will still be hated because of his name until he returns. Jesus said, because of this, many will fall away. They're going to betray one another and hate one another. You see, if, if you're only a cultural Christian, if the tough times comes, you're going to lose that cultural Christianity. But if you realize that following Jesus, yes, it could cost you your life. For most of us here, that's not a reality. But for many of our brothers and sisters in the world, it's a reality. And who knows what could happen in our time and where we are either. If we realize that, you're, gonna be, you're, you're, you're either going to be a follower of Jesus or you're going to say, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. He said there can be an increasing lawlessness, decreasing natural love among the people. There'll be times it's going to be very hard to be a follower of Jesus, but he says, remain faithful to the end. 
You see, God's going to perse- uh, help us persevere. In fact, we are saved by what He does, and He will enable those who truly believe to persevere. But we almost, we also must focus on being faithful to Jesus in very difficult times to show that we belong to Jesus. He said there's going to be difficult times in the world for people as a whole and for those who follow Jesus in particular. That's going to happen throughout all of history. Difficult times are not a sign of the coming of Jesus is near. It's just, it's not, it's not a sign because it's always been true. Uh, in fact, the falling away, we think of people falling away and we look at Western culture and the truth is Western culture is moving away. As, as a culture, uh, from, uh, from uh, understanding and its, its, uh, its uh, Christian heritage. But at the same time, we see great revivals in Asia and Africa and South America. Great movements of faith in Jesus. And so, so we can't, just because people fall away that we see, and we see less and less people uh, attending church and following Jesus and things like that in our culture, that doesn't mean that's happening all around the world. Difficult times are part of the human predicament in the world. It's not a sign that the end is near because difficult times of the world or God's people will happen. There's a second principle we're taught about waiting for Christ's return in Matthew 24, and it's this. It's not a sign that the end is near because of catastrophic happenings even in our, in our culture or our nation. Now, as I said, Jesus is teaching about two events in Matthew 24. The one that is coming soon to them in their generation is the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. In verse 15, Jesus begins talking about an event that would happen in the lifetime of most of those who were listening. In fact, it was, it was, it was about 40 years later that, that these things began to happen and that the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And that was, that's actually what the, the understanding of generation is in the Bible most of the time, about 40 years. And Jesus says, in this generation, about 40 years, they would not pass away uh, before the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was captured. This was going to be the greatest catastrophe that ever happened in the history of the nation of Israel. The temple was going to be desecrated. It was going to be destroyed. Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. About 67, 68 AD, zealots entered the temple and desecrated the temple. And, and possibly that's what it's referring to when it talks about the abomination of desolation. That is quoting from the book of Daniel. Um, and so they desecrated the temple. And then, then after that, soon after that... Uh, the Romans came in and basically uh, ruined, destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, Michael Green said this about that time. Verses 15 through 22 are particularly concerned with the fall of Jerusalem. It was a terrible siege lasting nearly four years and involved unimaginable hardships. The city was hard to capture and was defended with fanatical zeal. The Romans made a sustained attempt to starve its inhabitants into submission. Parents were reduced to cannibalism. There was indeed unparalleled affliction, as Jesus had predicted. In AD 70, the troops determined as a last resort to storm the city and the temple, and so they did. The temple, one of the great architectural masterpieces of antiquity, made of marble and faced with gold, was smashed to pieces. 
The city was reduced to rubble. The carnage and slaughter were terrible. More than a million Jews died in the operation. And Josephus, who was there, tells us more than 97,000 Jews were taken into captivity. See, that was the catastrophic event that was going to happen in their generation. And Jesus talked about those events. He talked about those in Judea fleeing to the mountains. And those on the rooftop uh, not going down into their homes to get anything but fleeing on the roofs. In fact, the, the houses were kind of close together and roofs were close together. So you could actually make a path uh, from roof to roof. And then on the last one, you'd take the stairs and you'd get out of town. Uh, it's said that Christians, when uh, Jerusalem was being, um, when they realized Jerusalem was going to be attacked, that they fled the city and they went to the mountains and some said they, they remember the prophecy of Jesus. So this destruction of Jerusalem and the temple was for the Israelites one of the most catastrophic events uh, ever in their history. But you know something? It didn't mean the world was coming to an end yet. You see, we're going to have catastrophic events in our world from time to time. As there have been in the past. You know, the Great Depression was a catastrophic event. Uh, World War II was a catastrophic event. Uh, I don't know how many millions of people were killed, not only soldiers, but civilians. Uh, Many of us can remember 9-11. We're going to have other catastrophic events in our our history, in our nation. we're going to have things that happen and we just don't understand what's going on. But that, that's not a sign that the end is near because of catastrophic events happening in our nation. We don't want to panic and forget that God is in control. Yes, Jesus is coming back. But just because it's not going well for us doesn't mean he's coming back right now. He's not coming back right now. It's not a sign that the end is near because of catastrophic events happening in our culture or our nation. There's one more thing I want to point out about the coming of Christ from, from Matthew 24, and that's, that's this. The return of Christ will be an event that no one can misunderstand what is happening. Now, Jesus warns us again and again not to be led astray by false Christ and false prophets. There'll be those in those days who say Christ has come back uh, He's come back in the wilderness. Or he's come in the secret room. Go out there to see if he's, he's, he's back, to see him back. He's, there are going to be some, and what they're saying is, Christ is going to come in some kind of secret way. That you have to be in the in group to know about that. In fact, there are cults that, you know, one of them uh, predicted the return of Christ in 1914 and say he secretly came back in 1914. There are other cultic groups that have claimed that Christ came secretly to them or their leader is the Christ. And Jesus said, don't be misled by these people. Don't be misled by these people because the coming of Christ will not be a secret event. It will not be a secret event. There will be some things that will be happening when Christ returns. First of all, it says the gospel will be going out to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, to all people groups. It's not saying every single person will hear the gospel, but every sort of ethnic group uh, will be exposed to the gospel. 
And the truth of the matter is, more and more ethnic groups in our day are still are hearing the gospel. In fact, uh, there are still people, uh, uh, ethnic groups that have never heard the gospel. But more, that's becoming less and less and less. And, and we are to continue to seek to share the gospel until Jesus returns. There's never going to be a time that we're not supposed to be doing that. And so, so, we, so those kind of things will be happening when Christ returns. But when he returns, you will know it. You will know it. It will be like a lightning strike across the sky from the east to the west. He talks about, it, uh, about vultures. And, and the idea of that is, I think, as I've studied this, is that when, a, when an army went through and, uh, and, and there were a lot of casualties, groups of vultures would follow these armies. <coughs> would follow these armies. And so wherever you saw these vultures, you knew that there was a battle. So whenever you... That whenever Christ comes, it's not going to be secret. There's not going to be anyone wondering what's happened. They're going to know what's happened because every eye will see him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see him because Jesus will come again and gather his elect until the end. You see, you're not going to misunderstand what's happening. You're not going to think, I missed it. (laughs) I missed it. Now, you might look at Matthew 24 and... You might, you might wish, you know, that I'd, I'd preached a sermon, everything you wanted to know about the second coming, but were afraid to ask. But that's not going to happen. Because there's just so many things I don't understand. And so many things that others don't understand. But I do know this. In light of the coming of Christ, the Bible gives us certain things that we should do as we wait for Him to come back. We're not to panic because we live in difficult times for the world or for God's people. We're not to confuse catastrophic happenings in our nation or our world from the end of the world. We are to know that Christ will return. And until he returns, we are to be preaching the gospel to all people groups until he returns. We are also to know that when Jesus comes again, no one will misunderstand what is happening. Revelation 1.7 says his coming will be Light with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. You see, we are to live every day for the glory of God. Every day as if it's our last day on earth. Every day considering the sure coming of Christ. Believers in every age seek to be faithful to Jesus every day as if he could return for us on any day. And yes, he could. Father, we, uh, we pray that we would not live as people who don't think and know that one day you will return. Help us to realize, Lord, that you promised your presence to all who believe, no matter what they're going through. Lord, if there's trouble or trial or Distress in their life, Lord. If they're going through things that they never thought they would have to go through before. If they will turn to you and look to you and believe in you. You will help them through this. You will guide them. You will give them direction. You will be with them. 
Help us never to forget this. And Father, help us to live as if today would be our last day on the earth, our last day before you return. Because Lord, truthfully it could be. Lord, help us to live every day living in light of your coming. Not preoccupied with it, but but doing the things that you'd have us do. Lord, proclaiming the gospel that Jesus saves, and whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Loving our families and our children, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, and loving our enemies, even, uh, even if they don't love us. Help us to do these things. Help us to seek to, to live for justice and for, uh, uh, for mercy in the, in the land that we live in, to do what's right. Lord, would you just bless and strengthen and watch over and help. Would you draw us to yourself that we might live as awake people, looking for your coming and living for you until you come. It is in your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.